Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate, or you can go to buymeacupofcoffee slash CraigU. All of these links are also in my show notes. And for people who donate, I have various levels of benefits. For $5, you get a thank you at the start of the next episode of Canadian History X, Canada's Great War, and from John to Justin, and on social media. For $10, you get everything from the $5, plus this episode is sponsored by, with your name at the start. Also, I'll state it's sponsored by you on social media. For $20, everything from the $5 and $10, plus a second episode sponsored by you, and promotion of something you're working on. And for $50, everything from the $5, $10, and $20 plus, you get to choose a topic for me to cover on Canadian History X. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And I'm on Instagram and TikTok where I put up daily videos about Canada's history. Just go to my username, Bairdo37. And you can find weekly videos on Canada's history on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash c slash Canadian History X. If you want to find transcripts of every episode I've ever done, you can go to my website, CanadaEHX.com. And there's over 700 posts on Canada's history there. Before we start, I want to say thank you to Patrick Kennedy, who donated to the podcast. I really do appreciate that. Thank you so much. And because of that, this episode is sponsored by Patrick Kennedy. It is one of the most important pieces of legislation in Canadian history. It was something that attracted controversy, and its impact is felt to this day. It was the Constitution Act of 1982, and today I am looking at how this landmark document was created and the impact it would have on Canada. To start with our journey into the Constitution Act, we need to delve back to the British North America Act of 1867, which formed Canada. At the time, only the British Parliament had the authority to change anything in the British North America Act. As Canada gained more independence from Britain, several questions began to arise over whether the government could amend the Constitution itself, or did the government have to work with the provinces? Would all of the provinces have equal votes, or would larger provinces have more votes than smaller ones, and what would the role of Quebec be, and would it get a veto? The issues of constitutional change would continue for the next 50 years. There would be federal-provincial conferences over the matter, but they all ended in failure. In 1971, Prime Minister Pierre Elliott Trudeau would create the Victoria Charter as a set of proposed amendments to the Constitution. This charter would have created a Bill of Rights that included freedom of expression, freedom of religion, and the right to vote regardless of race, religion, or sex. Language rights were also to be enshrined within the Act. Negotiations would begin, but Robert Barossa, the Premier of Quebec, would stall things after the rest of the provinces had agreed to the Act. Barossa was able to slow the passing of the Act by putting in a proposal that would give the provinces control over social policy, while the federal government would provide money for the policy. Maclean's would write at the time, quote, At the Constitutional Conference, the new Victoria Charter, designed very largely to guarantee the official position of the French language and to protect other French-Canadian interests, was deliberately rejected by Quebec because it failed to satisfy her insatiable demand for provincial independence. End quote. 
constitutional charter, but he left the door open with a request for clarification in the charter section on social policy. Prime Minister Trudeau replied he would like representations from Mr. Barossa and would pass them on to other premiers. But clearly, Mr. Trudeau believed this constitutional round was over. What did happen to Victoria and what happens every time you drop a constitution anywhere is that people compromise and the Victoria Charter was a compromise. Some people gave in on something and others on you're something saying, else. You're saying that it, there could still be further compromise? Well, yes. Uh, there's always possibility to... Uh, to uh, discuss the Constitution in the future, but it seems to me I'm making it quite clear that I'm not looking for any further compromise. But if the Quebec government convinces all governments in Canada that it has a suggestion that can get everyone's uh, assent, I'm not going to close my mind. I said uh, previously to the Victoria Conference that Quebec would accept to discuss after the Victoria Conference if there was no settlement. And I said and uh, the communique that we were open to continue negotiations. So uh, there is nothing new about that. There is no question uh, when I issued a statement that this was putting the end of that negotiation. I was saying that I could not say yes to the charter because I was not satisfied with what we got in Social Security. I think the move is squarely Quebec. Uh, we agreed to the Quebec charter, so did most provincial governments. If Quebec has something to... Uh, Say, let's hear it. I, I did not read completely the text of Mr. Trudeau. Uh, he said he was open mind for further negotiations. So probably I will uh, communicate with him or he will communicate with me in the next few days. And then we will see uh, whether uh, a meeting could be useful. Will you take the initiative, sir? Well, uh, possibly. Either he will phone me or I will phone him. I don't know. But this will be done uh, next week. Uh, could it be that uh, Quebec's rejection is merely a bargaining position in the hope that they'll get more ground from the federal government that was given up in, in Victoria? You know, sometimes I have nightmares about this. Uh, and I think I said uh, in Victoria after the thing was over, you know, sometimes I don't know if, if Mr. Boisau is not the shrewdest bargainer I've ever met. Uh, but... Uh, I, I can't answer the question. Uh, I'm sure there was a certain amount of uh, playing chicken in this and see how, who, who, uh, who was most afraid of, uh, of seeing the thing rejected. And I must say everybody there, not only Mr. Boisson, but every provincial premier played it pretty cool. And, you know, they said to each other, look, if we don't have constitutional reform, we won't go home and die. So don't try and get anything out of me in terms of concession because I can live with the BNA Act another hundred years. So, uh, oh, everyone is bargaining a little bit. I think just for mechanical reasons alone and psychological ones, we would have liked to have got this step taken to put it aside and turn to other things. But everyone stated that uh, if it wasn't done, it wouldn't be the end of the world. It would not be until 1980 and the Quebec referendum that the issue of the Constitution would come up again. During the referendum to keep Quebec in Canada, Prime Minister Pierre Elliott Trudeau would promise Quebecers that Ottawa would open constitutional negotiations. When the referendum was finished and the separatists had lost, Trudeau fulfilled this promise and began to move down the road to amending the Constitution, but also creating a new Charter of Rights. Trudeau began to assemble a group of constitutional advisors around him to begin to draft the proposed constitution and a charter of rights and freedoms. The first minister's conference was then held on September 8, 1980. 
Quebec Premier René Lévesque would leak a copy of Ottawa's 64-page secret negotiation strategy the day before the conference. It was then leaked to the press on the second day of the conference. This severely hurt the progress of the conference, and things did not progress well. Lévesque would also tell Trudeau to stop worrying about the, quote, largely symbolic act of patriating that old piece of paper known as the Constitution, end quote. Peter Lougheed, the Alberta Premier, also wanted more provincial powers, something that was supported by the other Premiers, such as Saskatchewan's Alan Blakeney. Good evening. The eight Premiers opposed to the federal government on the Constitution drew up their own plan in Ottawa today. In a nationally televised ceremony, they signed what they called an historic compromise. Their proposal does not include a Charter of Rights, and tonight Prime Minister Trudeau said without a charter, he cannot accept the plan. We have two reports, the first from Jason Moskowitz on the Premier's alternative. After a long night of working out details, twisting the last arms that had to be twisted, changing what had to be changed, the Premier's had an agreement. As they headed off to the conference centre this morning, all that was left to do was sign the papers and make the announcement. Our eight governments, representing more than 60% of the total population of Canada, have reached an agreement that will permit our Constitution to be brought home to Canada. Under the final terms of their agreement, the Constitution would be brought home from Britain with an amending formula. Under the amending formula, future constitutional amendments would need the support of the federal government and seven provinces totaling 50% of the population. The provinces would have the right to opt out of any provisions affecting provincial jurisdiction with a simple majority vote in any provincial legislature. That could affect such things as language rights. Around the table it went. Each premier signed the agreement, and then each in his turn explained why it was so important. To suggest that the prime minister or the federal government can ignore what is happening here this morning defies the realities of Canada. We have been challenged to come to agreement we have come to a most substantial agreement. I believe then that the people of British Columbia join with other Canadians in looking upon today as the beginning, as a re-beginning for our country. Nous avons donc reçu de notre électorat. Rennie Levesque's message was different. He didn't talk about the future of Canada. He didn't talk about the importance of the agreement. Instead, he talked of his victorious election campaign as he reminded the Prime Minister that he now has an overwhelming mandate to fight the federal proposal. From the conference room, they went to the news conference room, where it took less than five minutes for the Premiers to learn of what the federal government thought of their agreement. Premier Lyon, at a press conference just down the street from here, John Chrétien has just rejected your package. Mr. Chrétien, I hardly think has had the time to give that kind of thoughtful consideration to our patriation plan that one would hope he would. As the premiers continued their news conference, Jean Chrétien continued his. And of course, this amending formula is great for people who are a community of communities, but not for one who believe in one Canada. And in a day of many news conferences, Joe Clark sided with the provinces, Ed Broadbent sided with the federal government. On the basic question of human rights, in fact, the action of the eight premiers demonstrated the need for action by the Parliament of Canada. I think that there was a very considerable achievement in those eight premiers representing more than 60% of the population of Canada, representing four different political parties, uh, getting agreement, putting aside their conditions, 
and coming and putting forward a proposal which can be the basis of discussion now uh, among all 11 governments as to a Canadian way in which we can bring home our, uh, our constitution and uh, change it here in Canada. The politicians remain on the same side as they were before today's meeting. On the surface, nothing's changed. But to the eight premiers, today's agreement means things could change. In their minds, the key to the whole thing is public opinion. Jason Moskowitz, CBC News, Ottawa. On October 2nd, Prime Minister Trudeau decided he would proceed alone on the matter and he would make a unilateral request to the British Parliament. He would appear on national television to detail his plan. He would say, quote, The 11 First Ministers have failed to reach agreement as they had failed so many times before. But must that forever prevent the people of Canada from confirming their independence and securing their freedoms? Surely the independence of the nation, the unquestioned right of Canadians to rule themselves, is not a matter for dispute among governments. Independence belongs to all Canadians. End quote. This process began with asking the British to amend the British North America Act through a resolution in Canada's Parliament. Unfortunately, leader of the opposition, Joe Clark, held up the resolution and the premiers then took Trudeau to court over the matter. The Liberals would then invoke closure on the resolution to move it into the committee stage in Parliament. When this happened, several progressive Conservative MPs rushed the chair of the Speaker of the House, with fists waving, angry they could not still debate the matter. A parliamentary committee was formed and was the first one to be broadcast on television. The committee would sit for 65 days and were petitioned by 914 individuals and 294 groups. Through these deliberations, the first charter was revised and redrafted five different times. At the time, only Ontario and New Brunswick were in support of the constitutional change, while all the rest of the provinces were opposed. The other premiers were called the Gang of Eight, with Lougheed and Levesque seen as the leaders. The group wanted to meet in Ottawa with Trudeau on April 16, 1981, but he refused to meet them and ridiculed what he called the April Accord. Over the course of about 500 episodes, one thing I've found with Canadian history and history in general is that times change and styles change. What was rare at one point becomes common at another. If you want to take advantage of the style of today, then Manscaped is the company for you. Manscaped has been providing safe products for men to groom themselves for years without the danger of sharp blades causing a very uncomfortable injury. Right now, Manscaped is offering all my listeners 20% off of their order. I recently received my first kit from Manscaped and it comes with everything to groom yourself from top to bottom. Even your nose and ears can be groomed with their patented Weed Whacker Trimmer. With their lotions, powders and trimmers, you can feel your best as you go about your day. Once again, that is 20% off with the offer code EHX at manscaped.com. Choose your products and enter the code at the checkout to save today. You can also click the link in my show notes. On September 28, 1981, the Supreme Court of Canada issued its ruling that Trudeau was legally allowed to proceed with a resolution of the Senate and House of Commons. The court held a 7-2 majority in the matter. The court also ruled 6-3 that any proposed amendments that would reduce provincial powers would require a consensus from the provinces. Justice Minister Jean Chrétien would then call for the dissenting provinces to, quote, put aside their personal feelings and do nothing which can encourage disrespect for the Supreme Court and the law, end quote. On November 2, 1981, the one-last-time conference was held over the course of four days. 
On the first day, Bill Davis and Robert Hatfield offered compromises that included giving up Ontario's veto over constitutional change. The Gang of Eight brought forward a compromise that the Charter of Rights be delayed in adoption until a commission could report back with recommendations at a later date. Trudeau would immediately reject this. During the conference, Premier Davis and Saskatchewan Premier Blakeney randomly ran into each other at a restaurant and they would have a private discussion through the evening and both agreed that they needed to find a way to prolong talks in order that they succeed. On the third day, Trudeau then made a remark that perhaps a referendum would resolve the stalemate. Levesque would respond well to this, and the rest of the day was spent discussing a possible referendum. By the end of the day, there was a new Quebec-Ottawa alliance announced by Trudeau. At the same time, Federal Justice Minister Jean Chrétien, Saskatchewan Justice Minister Rory Romanow and Ottawa Justice Minister Roy McCurdy slipped away to a kitchen pantry in the conference centre to discuss the ideas. This would become known as the Kitchen Accord, and it was drafted not as a formal written agreement, but on two pieces of paper and rough notes. Most of the provinces had not been informed of this, but the Accord would shape the expectations of the two provinces and the federal government. It would also bridge the divide between the federal government and the Gang of Eight, but Levesque was not part of the meeting, either because he wasn't invited or he could not be reached. The biggest thing to come from the Accord was the Notwithstanding Clause, which allowed provinces to exempt their laws from certain charter rights. After being told of the Kitchen Accord by Romanow, Blakeney would meet with the rest of the Gang of Eight to discuss the matter. Davis would go and discuss the Kitchen Accord with Trudeau. Levesque would find out about the completed package agreed upon during the night over breakfast on the final day of the conference. Levesque accused the federal government and the other provinces of proceeding without Quebec. In Quebec, the province would call the discussions of the complete package the Night of the Long Knives. Levesque would feel betrayed by not only Trudeau, but the other premiers. He would state, quote, We took it for granted that these people were of good faith, and that if something was happening, they would give us a call. The only call we had was to say there was a breakfast meeting, end quote. The federal government and nine of the ten provincial governments, with the exception of Quebec, eventually agreed on a proposal to send to Britain's Parliament. Under the proposal, the repatriated constitution would include a formula for making future amendments. It would also include a Charter of Rights and Freedoms. The next day, the Kingston Week Standard wrote, quote, Canada's new constitution was conceived in a kitchen and born in a railway station after an all-night gestation in two smoked-filled hotel rooms. End quote. Peter Newman of Maclean's wrote, quote, the Accord of November 5, 1981 will be carved in this country's history as one of those rare moments when our political leaders realize that the people of this country have known all along, that Canada is, and always will be, greater than the sum of its parts. End quote. After three days and three nights of fierce bargaining, the First Ministers had at last agreed on a new constitution, on the ground rules that will shape Canadian society for decades to come. What was astonishing was the size of the agreement. Everyone but René Lévesque endorsing patriation, an amending formula, and a charter of rights. We have reached a fundamental and, I think, extraordinarily opportune agreement. Nine provinces and the federal government. As Trudeau readily admitted, in some ways today's agreement is as much a reflection of the province's demand for regional diversity as of his own vision of a more unified and centralized Canada. Over the next few weeks, the Indigenous and women's groups successfully lobbied to have certain clauses reintroduced that had been removed during the negotiations. 
In all, there would be seven parts to the Constitution Act of 1982. Part 1 focused on preventing the federal, provincial, and territorial governments from infringing on Canadian rights and freedoms. The notwithstanding clause would allow the federal and provincial governments to be exempt from any law under certain conditions. Part 2 guaranteed the rights of the Indigenous of Canada. This provides the Indigenous with treaty rights and protects the activities, practice, and traditions of the Indigenous that are integral to the cultures. Part 3 recognized the practice of providing equalization payments to the poor provinces. Part 4 required the Prime Minister and the Premiers to hold a conference before April 17, 1983 to discuss the rights with the Indigenous people of Canada. Part 5 outlined the procedure for amending the Constitution. Sections of the Constitution could be changed with the approval of the Senate and House of Commons and the legislatures, but it required at least seven of Canada's provinces that make up 50% of Canada's population. In order to change the Supreme Court, the use of French and English in Canada, the offices of the Queen, the Governor-General or Lieutenant Governor, required unanimous approval in the Senate and all ten provinces agreeing. Part 6 amends the British North America Act of 1867 to give provincial governments jurisdiction over their non-renewable natural resources. And Part 7 focused on minor provisions. The Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which is in the first part of the Constitution Act, was created to give certain political, legal, and human rights to the people of Canada from the policies and actions of all levels of government. This is similar to the Canadian Bill of Rights, but that was limited as a federal statute and was not directly applicable to provincial laws. On December 2, 1981, the House of Commons finished its long debate over the Constitution Act. Quebec would make a demand for acceptance of the new Constitution during the parliamentary debate. These conditions were the recognition of Quebec as one of the two founding peoples of Canada and a distinct society, a Quebec veto or financial compensation for opting out, implementation of a watered-down Charter of Rights which allowed Quebec to opt in to educational guarantees for its English minority, and an increased control over its natural resources. These were all rejected by Prime Minister Trudeau in a 10-page letter to Levesque. Liberal Warren Almond would vote against his own party's constitution, he would say that the Constitution betrayed Quebec Anglophones since minority language education rights in Quebec only came into effect with the assent of the Quebec Assembly, while outside the province minority language rights took effect immediately. He would state, quote, This type of discriminatory clause comes about at a time when the signs of the people of my province are being taken down, when their social, educational, and business institutions are under attack, when they are being squeezed, end quote. Maurice Bossy, a Liberal MP arrived to vote on the act with a bag of dry ice against his chest. He had been discharged briefly from the hospital after open-heart surgery so he could vote. He had to make sure he moved very slowly to prevent his stitches from tearing. But not everyone was eager to vote. Progressive Conservative MP Fred McCain didn't even attend, stating, quote, I had other things to attend to, and I attended to them, end quote. Progressive Conservative leader Joe Clark had told his caucus that if they couldn't vote for the Constitution, he didn't want them voting at all. Despite this, 17 of his MPs ignored this and still voted against the act, along with five Liberals and two New Democrats. The total vote was 246 in favour and 24 against. Liberal Stan Hudecki voted against the Constitution because it did not ban abortions. Garner Bloomfield, another Liberal, also voted against it for the same reason. He would stay, quote, I believe the unborn are part of the human family and they are omitted from the Charter of Rights. End quote. Progressive Conservative MP Ron Huntington would state he was against the Constitution because it did not come from the people. He would state, quote, The definition of our rights should have come from a constituent assembly, not a political brothel such as the House of Commons. 
This was not a constitution, but prostitution, put together by the Prime Minister in some premiers meeting at the 11th hour and 55th minute, end quote. After the vote, most of the House of Commons began to sing O Canada, although those who voted against the motion did not. In Quebec, the provincial flags were lowered to half-mast as a symbol of the provincial government's determination to fight the constitution that had been adopted. For those who had been pushing for the constitution, it was a time to celebrate. Jean Chrétien would state, quote, I'm very happy because it's been a long one and a half years, end quote. Opposition leader Joe Clark was also happy over the passing of the act, but highlighted how Quebec appeared to be left out. He stated, quote, I think that every Canadian would prefer to have a situation where the people of Quebec were involved, end quote. The act would then go to the British Parliament, but there was not universal support for it there. On February 17, 1982, 334 British MPs agreed to the new Constitution Act. That being said, a total of 44 members of Parliament voted against the act, citing they had concerns over Canada's treatment of Quebec and the Indigenous. Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher also had concerns about the inclusion of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms within the Canada Act. That being said, Foreign Secretary Lord Carrington would state, quote, It is to the Government of Canada that the Indians must look for solutions, end quote. One Tory MP would state that he was disappointed that the provinces had settled with Trudeau. Support for Canada to have its own constitution would come from several members of Parliament, though. Lord Hankey would state, quote, Surely Canada is a nation that is fit to order its affairs and arrange its own constitution. For goodness sake, do not let us go busy-bodying about, end quote. Once passed, the Act would receive royal assent on March 29, 1982. On April 17, 1982, Queen Elizabeth II signed the new Act in the Canadian House of Commons, repatriating Canada's constitution and enshrining the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. The document she signed was also made for Manitoba Flax. Let us celebrate the renewal and patriation of our constitution. But let us put our faith first and foremost in the people of Canada who will breathe life into it. It's in that spirit of faith and of confidence that I join with Canadians everywhere in sharing this day of national achievement. It is in their name, Your Majesty, that I now invite you, the Queen of Canada, to give solemn proclamation to our new constitution. The Prime Minister's speech completed a strong speech calling on Canadians to celebrate but also pointing out to Quebecers that he understands their dilemma at a time when their government does not agree with the package that is being proclaimed into law today. The Queen will now head towards the uh, desk where the actual signing will take place and Barbara, it's starting to rain very gently. One description is spitting, just a gentle rain. Hope it holds on. The moment the Queen puts her signature on this document, it becomes law. It will be witnessed later. The Constitution is now home. A fanfare in the background, as you can hear.
document being witnessed by the Prime Minister, the Minister of Justice, and the Attorney General, Jean Chrétien. He will be followed by the Registrar General, André Wallet. It's ironic, isn't it, Peter, that the, the three names of, of Canadian officials that will be going on to this document are, are names of ministers from Quebec, the province that the Prime Minister was just speaking to in French a moment ago. final signature of witness to the document that has brought our Constitution home, the Constitution Act 1982, repatriation, the new amending formula, and the Charter of Rights are now at this moment in law. Queen Elizabeth II would state in a ceremony on Parliament Hill, quote, I want to offer my personal congratulations to the Prime Minister of Canada and my Canadian government and the premiers and the governments of the provinces on the wisdom and statesmanship they have shown in reaching agreement on this new Canadian constitution. End quote. She would continue, quote, It is one of the quirks of history that over a century would have passed before Canada obtained her own constitution, formulated by Canadians and approved by her own parliament. But the years have not been wasted, and a great nation has grown up in this magnificent land. End quote. Trudeau would state, quote, After 50 years of discussion, we have finally decided to retrieve what is properly ours. I simply wish that the bringing home of our Constitution marks the end of a long winter, the breaking of the ice jams, and the beginning of a new spring. End quote. Tommy Douglas would say of Trudeau, quote, He stuck with it when many others would have quit. Today, the Canadian people owe him a real debt of gratitude for what he has done. End quote. Queen Elizabeth would state that she was sad that Quebec was not part of the deal and she would state that she was often puzzled of the chronic inability of the country to come to terms with constitutional change. As for regular Canadians, they had their own opinions on the entire thing. Frank McKnight, a delivery truck driver, would say, quote, Look, it does mean something, that the Constitution is back. Finally, we're on our own, but we don't need the Queen. As far as I'm concerned, they could have mailed it. End quote. George Sabuco would state, quote, Some people want it. Some think it's a lot of malarkey. I don't have much to say one way or the other, end quote. A Mrs. Lewis was less pleased about the Constitution, stating, quote, I think it's very foolish of the Queen. She's just being used by that man Trudeau, and he's just a you-know-what. He's using her for politics the way he uses everyone, and it's not our Constitution. It's his, and we don't want it, end quote. Ishbel Elliott would state, quote, I care about the Constitution. I don't care about the Queen. She'll probably be bored silly anyway. It would be nice if we had an annual February holiday out of it. End quote. John Derseville would compare the Constitution signing to Nazi Germany, where he grew up as a child, stating, quote, In that Bill of Rights, we are facing the loss of our freedom. End quote. His wife Irma added, quote, All the rights we have now will have subjects attached. Of course, the laws and conditions will be described as reasonable, only to be used against the bad guys, only when necessary. That is how Hitler started. End quote. In Quebec, René Lévesque would speak to thousands of cheering Quebecers and would take part in a march of Quebec, leading a procession of 20,000 people from one downtown park to another. He would say, quote, It is a cry of confidence by French Quebecers, who are surer than ever that we are going to make, ourselves, our own country, here and our own home without hostility to anyone, end quote. Sadly, for Lévesque, he would pass away only three years later, before new accords came along to bring Quebec into the Constitution. The Charter would see a greater expansion of the scope of judicial review, since the Charter is more explicit with respect to the guarantee of rights and the roles of judges in enforcing those rights, compared with the Bill of Rights. Maclean's would write on how the Constitution had changed the political landscape, stating, quote, 
Up until now, the constitutional debates seemed an abstract political poker game, with the feds and provincial premiers more concerned with preserving their place in the political sun than trying to reinforce citizens' rights. Now the Charter is law. Our lives have been imperceptibly altered. End quote. This would not be the end of the constitutional debate. The Quebec government would take the matter to the Supreme Court, stating that the new constitution was adopted unconstitutionally because it did not have the consent of Quebec. All nine justices rejected the claim. Levesque would state, quote, We are nothing more than an internal colony that lives at the will of another people. End quote. In 1984, Brian Mulroney became Prime Minister, and one of his main goals was to amend the constitution to make it acceptable for Quebec. At the time, the province was now led by the man from the Victoria Charter time, Robert Barossa. In 1987, all the premiers settled on amendments as part of the Meech Lake Accord. Unfortunately, Manitoba and Newfoundland refused to ratify it, and the accord collapsed. Five years later, in 1992, the Charlottetown Accord was drafted, but it was defeated in a national referendum, and Quebec stated that the province had been humiliated by the accord. This would lead to the growth of the Bloc Québécois Party and a complete reshaping of Canadian politics that continues to this day. But the impact of the Constitution Act would spread beyond Canada. Australia passed the Australia Act in 1986, establishing Australia as its own independent country. New Zealand would do the same when it passed its own Constitution Act in 1986 as well. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at the Constitution Act. If you did, please leave a rating and review. Next week, we're looking at Expo 67. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash canadaehx. And you can donate to the podcast by going to canadaehx.com and clicking donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobbs, Robert Page, Richard D., Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Shove, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rawa, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Information from Canadian Encyclopedia, Maclean's, Ottawa Citizen, Montreal Gazette, Calgary Herald, Wikipedia, Owen Sound Times, National Post, CBC, Kingston Whig Standard, Edmonton Journal, and Vancouver Sun. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.